If you enjoy listening to inspirational stories from people just like us, facing the fear and doing it anyway, then you're in the right place. My name is Claire Hill and this is the No Rest for the Vivid podcast. Hello, welcome to another... No, oh God. (laughs) We start again. Hello, welcome to the No Rest for the Vivid podcast. Uh, My name is Claire Hill. I am the founder of the Vivid Club membership. I am a self-belief coach and business mentor, as well as a wire artist over at Vivid Wire. There you go. I have also coming down with laryngitis. If you've listened to these other episodes, I'm block recording today. The worst kind of day to get laryngitis. Uh, but if you're new around here, that's what's wrong with my voice. It's just one of them things. So please ignore the croakiness. Or maybe it's just all sexy and husky. No, it's not sexy or husky. <clears throat> right, so an excuse for coughing. Um, I would love to introduce you to Florence Andrews. Florence Andrews is a visibility coach and mentor. She, I felt I just happened upon her work, as you do on Instagram, and um, found her through a course I was doing with Lisa Johnson. And what really resonated with me, with Florence's work, is about showing off. And she said in this mindset sort of um, session that I was in, about the fact that, you know, have you ever been told, you know, no one likes the clever clogs, you're being too loud, you're, um, you know, no one likes to show off that kind of thing. And when <laughs> I'm sure that it's not a surprise to people who know me who listen to this, um, but, you know, I am a very loud individual. I am very vivid, funnily enough. I'm quite a vibrant individual. And um, for some, it makes people feel uncomfortable. And a lot of the time people would feel intimidated and and actually thinking about it, I've used that word intimidation quite a lot um, to describe uh, how people would um, react to me. They'd be intimidated by me. Um, I don't know whether actually I'm probably saying it in a negative way, but um, anyway, back to Florence. The reason why I'm saying this is because when I I came across Florence's work, it was all about saying, you know, it's time to show off. It really is because when we show off, we are lifting other people up. And as soon as I started really showing off or trying to show off, and I am working on it, um, but when I embodied that a bit more, the more I was helping more people. Um, and even if you're a product-based business, you're still helping people with your work. You just don't know exactly how maybe, but we need to show off more. We need to shine our light. Um, so it was an absolute pleasure to have Florence on. And we spoke about all of that. She's a very inspirational woman. Um, and she says in the episodes to reach out and DM her. She's such a wonderful person to connect with. So if any of this episode resonates with you, she gives a lot of actionable tips and, and hacks, which can really help you elevate your business. So if any of those resonate and you use them and you find them effective, please let her know. Um, I think this is one I'm going to be listening back to a couple of times. Enjoy. Hello, Florence. Welcome to the No Rest for the Vivid podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I'm super excited for you to be here because we've made it. There was we, a few <laughs> times we tried, but I always think that in when that happens, which and it happens all the time, doesn't it? Mm. Um, that you it was 
because today was the best day for us to have the best conversation. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Brilliant. So (laughs) for those people who don't know who you are, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi. Um, so I'm Florence Andrews. Um, I'm a Hollywood and West End actor. I'm a mum of two and I'm also a visibility coach and business mentor. So I help impact led female coaches to essentially step out of hiding and into the spotlight of their personal brand so they can scale their visibility, their impact and their income to six figures plus. And I love it all. It's a big juggle, but I love it all. I just to say that was so professional how that just well, rolled the kind. I am not at that point yet. <laughs> I've got my vocal <laughs> business card down. <laughs> I freaking love that. That was brilliant. Um, so what's the business love story? Because obviously you said like you're a Hollywood and West End actor. You've been mm-hmm. in my favourite show recently, which I'm not going to like because, you know, the whole East Enders yeah. thing. And, but you've obviously been in a lot more things in just East Enders. Yeah. Um, but I knew it was you when I saw you. Yeah. <laughs> I know I that lady. You sent me a message like, yeah, I can see you in EastEnders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I knew it. I knew it was you. I was so excited. <laughs> I'm, I'm absolutely, it's, it's like my guilty pleasure that everyone loves. Oh, I'm like, I'm actually really proud of being the massive EastEnders. Yeah. Anyway, um, but <laughs> that but to the side, you've obviously got this amazing journey and story about where you, you, where you were and mm-hmm. how you got here. And yeah. that's why I asked you on, because I found you um, through Lisa Johnson, one of her courses, and you saying about showing off. And that resonated mm. with me so much. And whenever I say it, I'm like, this is thanks to Florence Andrews, because oh. being in the position where you're like, yeah, do you know what? I, I need to show off. It's so difficult. But anyway, we can come to yeah. that bit in a little while. Yeah, That's sure. how I found you. Then I learned about everything else. So where did it all begin? <laughs> Oh gosh, where to start? So I suppose where this journey started was me being an understudy in the West End. So, you know, I was very lucky. I grew up in a household full of lots of artists and creatives and kind of bohemian types. And so I was never really discouraged from following what I wanted to follow. Um, and I and I kind of realized how lucky that was, obviously, as I got older and I realized that's not always the norm. Um by the way, I've got my boiler going, so I hope you can't hear it. No, nope, we can't. It's <laughs> boiler keeps going. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, essentially where kind of this all started and when this, the seeds for my coaching business started were, uh, were actually about kind of 14 years ago or so. I was an understudy in the West End. I'd gone to music college. I'd done drama. I'd done all the things. I got my agent. And, you know, I knew how lucky I was. I was doing what I'd always wanted to do. But I realised that, you know, I was self-sabotaging all over the place so you know I would turn up to auditions and I would have practiced you know so much I'd had all the singing lessons and I knew how to smash it when no one was watching and then I'd see those three people across the table and I'd fall to pieces and my nerves would always get the best of me and I always felt like I had this kind of in a tug of war between what I knew I was capable of and the skills and and talents that I knew were within me and this kind of feeling of who am I to to dare to do this, this weird feeling of not want to make, it sounds almost um, arrogant now, this not wanting to make other people feel uncomfortable by shining my light. So I would Mm -hmm. kind of play down and dim my light down and squish myself into a little ball whenever I had the opportunity, um, you know, to to grow and to scale and to um, hit that next level in my acting career. Um, So 
after a while, I remember my mum said to me, like, you know, it can't be a coincidence that you always get ill just before these big like opportunities. And I was thinking, but it's not me. Like, I wouldn't choose that. And eventually I had to kind of realise that it, it couldn't be a coincidence. And there was something deeper that was kind of trying to get me out of it. Um, and it kind of really hit ahead when I essentially had a panic attack on a West End stage, very big, famous West End theatre. And it was me for like a two and a half minute solo on stage, no one to save me. And it was just horrific getting through. I still remember every moment of like opening my mouth for the next line, not knowing what the words were, what was going to come out. Awful. But in a way, that was such a kind of severe moment that it ended up being a real catalyst that I needed. And, you know, the moment where I had to draw a line in the sand and say, okay, I can't get where I want to go until I sort my mind out. And that really set me off on a journey, you know, into mindset, into eventually kind of manifestation and universal law and getting a bit more woo. And I started studying performance psychology as well. So I kind of mentored with, uh, I had this mentor who was a sports psychologist. She used to be an Olympic athlete and she helped um, athletes with their psychology of how to perform under pressure, how to use adrenaline to give you the edge rather than to make you crumble. Um, And she'd started, you know, working with actors and singers and that too. And I found it fascinating. And literally within a few months after years, I mean, decades, years and years of, of, you know, succeeding as much as I could through hustle and grit, but really holding myself back. Um, I went from kind of, yeah, broke, resentful understudy to six figure leading lady parts and everything started opening up. And I was like, holy, you know, like this is, this stuff works. Like this is kind of so much of the answer. It didn't matter how hard I worked on my skills before I was holding myself back. So that's kind of that part of the story and I was really lucky and managed to to do you know work with some incredible people and had some wonderful leading lady roles and um started moving into some film and tv as well um and then covid came along fast forward quite a few years um covid came along and suddenly we were told you know you got you guys aren't going on stage tonight go home this has happened the show's not happening and hopefully we'll be back in a couple of weeks when this all blows over (laughs) cute two years later so I was the main breadwinner at the time family of four and yeah it was really scary um I didn't know what I was I'd just taken a year out with my second child my little boy and as a self-employed person you know luckily I had savings to be able to do that but they were running dry so it's like okay what do I do But I kind of look at that moment with real gratitude as well, because it was the first opportunity after, you know, from a very, very young age, knowing exactly what I wanted to do and what I was going for, where I felt like this kind of chasm opened up where I could choose again without any guilt, without any, you know, responsibility. In a way, this had happened to us all. It was bigger than us all. And I'd always known that, you know, when people ask that question, if you weren't an actor, what would you do? And it was always immediately, I'd be a coach. Because essentially, I was kind of, you know, I trained in performance psychology. i I'd started kind of dabbling with, you know, small coaching courses. Um, and yeah, th- that was the obvious answer. So I just dove in with both feet. I started getting certifications, ended up doing a program that helped you launch a group coaching program, realized I needed to get one-on-one clients first. So I kind of went on this kind of spiraled um, journey. Um, and then kind of long story, a little bit shorter, um, a number of probably that whole 
most of that first year, I really struggled to get clients, you know, as I know a lot of people find it, find it very difficult at the beginning. And I'd invested a lot of money I didn't have, I'd taken out loans, Mm. I'm, I'm very, I think, in a way, looking back, having been not that I recommend anyone do that it's a very personal choice if you want to go into to um like get credit to support your business growth um but I think the having been an actor in that world for so long really set me up well for the mindset required to like leap off the cliff as it were mm-hmm. and trust the net will appear and face rejection and all those things so I'd, I'd invested you know tens of thousands in that first year and nothing was happening and I remember I was in this group coaching program and we'd done the money mindset bit. And I was, I was good at that. I was all good at visioning. Um, I was like, yes, I'm rich. I'm abundant, all of that. And then next week it was money management and we had to look in our bank accounts. And I was like, oh crap, because I was not good at that piece. Um, and it made me realize that we were about one. Yeah, we were a couple of weeks away from not having the mortgage and how bad things were. And I remember my partner coming back that night and I just crumbled and cried and more than the fear involved at realizing how bad our financial situation was, what I really felt most strongly was kind of embarrassment and guilt and Mm -hmm. shame that I'd invested this money. My partner knew I'd been investing a lot, but his, he didn't know the exact numbers. Um, And I, yeah, I I kind of basically had a bit of a choice to make. I, I kind of, became a bit of a hermit for a few days and freaked out. And then I realized, listen, I can either go and, you know, play small, give up the business, see this isn't working, go stack shelves or do some minimum wage job just to get by, which a lot of my actor friends were doing because they had to, like kudos to them. You know, so that was one option, just like really curl up tight in a ball. Or I can really look at this and say, ask myself those hard questions. Like, am I doing everything I can? Am I going past my comfort zones am I um really living my message that I'm sharing and the truth was the answer was no to all of those not really um I was sharing all about the inner work but I wasn't really practicing it you know I wasn't living it fully and so there was a misalignment there and that's when I thought well I've got nothing to lose I'm just going to really go for this and so I really thought what would that look like if I do start living my message and really committed daily to that deep inner work and kind of essentially reverse engineered what I'd done that had turned everything around for my acting career. And I kid you not, because it sounds like one of these false stories, but it's totally true. Within two weeks of that moment where I was uh, crying to my partner in the kitchen, I had my first 5K week. I had these first two, you know, clients come in and, you know, it wasn't always linear, but the momentum essentially started from there. And then in year two and year three, it started scaling much quicker. Um, and yeah, I suppose that's kind of taken me to where I am now. And then group coaching that really scaled me further. Um, and now I get to work with amazing, amazing women and do a bit of everything. Oh, that's that's a juicy <laughs> story, isn't it? I know. Isn't it's really hard to share it in a succinct little way because there's a few pieces there. <laughs> no, I know, but I love it. This was like I love it when someone can, and this goes back to the message of of how I was drawn to to following you and learning more about you, is that if you've got a story, tell it. Like, yeah, you feel like you should hide behind or hide your story because who's mm-hmm. going to want to listen to it? But you don't understand how many people do want to listen to it and having that and this is what this podcast is all about anyway is sharing your story and I 
you know, I was thinking earlier, I've got a whole day of podcasts, but this is my day where I just get to talk to really freaking amazing people Mm -hmm. and listen to their story and share that with, you know, my audience and and expand it out and how those, because there might be one sentence that you've said that could transform someone's life. And I just, that's why we've got to share our story. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, when it comes to sharing our story, just to remember as well, that it's not even really about us when we're sharing it. It's about uh, the people who are listening and what they can, if they can see themselves in you. And it's, it's, it's almost kind of a symbolic statement of like, this is what's possible. It doesn't have to be perfect and kind of letting people look behind the scenes at the reality um, rather than just this kind of highlight reel of here's the result and, you know, let's pretend it's overnight, which is not so inspiring at all, really. No, no, exactly. <laughs> you you want to hear that someone's been in the pit and yeah. pulled out of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Struggle, struggle. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. No, honestly, I, I when I came across you and you said about showing off, like I said in the beginning, it I was I am probably still the same. I still probably mm-hmm hide my light a little bit um Mm -hmm. to make others feel more comfortable Mm. and that's not like a and then I say that aloud and I feel bad because but they don't want to feel uncomfortable like it's not their fault you know what I mean like I still sort of do it but how empowering it is for you to say it out loud and it's like you're giving permission to people to say no you can show off we've been absolutely no society sort of stops you in a way from well not in a way definitely stops you from yeah especially women I think it's such a big thing I mean I'm sure this is a thing for men as well but I you know I I have noticed that just culturally generationally you know it's often we're told to be these it's very subliminal I think but these kind of pretty little objects and don't be too loud and just kind Mm. of fit in and don't upset anyone and hang on like don't look too pretty that might threaten someone but look pretty enough you know and all of that stuff where we don't want to intimidate anyone no one likes the clever clogs and stop showing off and all these messages that we have and this kind of assumption and belief comes in that if we do shine our light we will make others feel uncomfortable but actually so often it's the opposite that that's Mm. what gives permission for for other people to and I always have this image that comes to me it's a, a bit abstract but I have this image when I think of this kind of work of all these amazing different women kind of around the world, maybe standing on like a mountaintop, you know, shining out their light with this kind of mirror and one's pinging off another mirror and pinging off and pinging off. And I just think, you know, the more that we do allow ourselves to show up in all our imperfections, but share our gifts that we feel called to share and like, they're never going to come. There's a lovely Martha Graham quote, and I won't try and say it now because I will sacrilege it. But um, essentially where she says how, you know, there's only this this color of expression that you have will only ever come through you in the way you can express it in this lifetime. And it's up to you whether you're going to let that shine out and share that with the world, which is a total gift or not and let it, you know, go to the grave with you, which sounds a bit full on. But, you know, I, I really believe that there's so much that needs to shift even just on a cultural level where you know there's nothing wrong with shining your light it doesn't need to put others down it gets to lift everyone else up around around you as well yeah and I love that because like in my membership it's just I want to build I was working on this today actually but I want to build a community where people feel so empowered they lift themselves up they've got the tools to lift themselves up but also lift everybody else up 
And there's oh. that quote by um from Lady Gaga, who, you know, she's met Lady Gaga. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, um worked with her, but um when she says like don't keep shining your light and if people don't like it tell them to put their sunglasses on and I'm just like yes. you've by that haven't you like big by it's not and it's about um my vert like how I see it is if I don't shine my light and it does sound when you're saying it you still you feel like a bit of a cock saying shine your light you know <laughs> like that Eurovision love yeah. like that but it's true because you've got to yeah. shine light shine who you are yeah, um, because you light other people up, and like yeah. you said, it's about everybody else. When I do it, it's not about me. I've got to think about other people. Yeah. But it's still that like, it's um, I work on it daily, trying yeah. not to put myself in a like put put myself in the shade to help mm. other people feel better about themselves. It does take Absolutely. a bit of bollocks to step into it and go. Do you know what? I'm gonna, sh- I'm gonna, sh- you know, be who I want to be mm-hmm. at the risk of upsetting people who aren't ready to change. Yeah, or be but themselves. You know, uh, the thing is, I think there's always that risk, isn't there? That you, when you do show up authentically and you put yourself out there and you put your true message out there, you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea. And some mm. people might be. The more authentic you are, the more likely people will get triggered. Some people. And, but you know, the other, the alternative is that you're also never gonna have the people that really need to hear from you and that where, you know, the people who are really ignited by your message find you. Because if we're just kind of vanillifying our message and our brand just to try and not really offend anyone and kind of not really upset anyone, then we're also not really gonna inspire anyone because we're not standing for anything. And when you stand for something, it is gonna be divisive. And I think, not that I want to get political. <laughs> I think we all know we live in a day and age where there's going to be people offended by anything and everything you say, right? And so yeah. I think in a way it's 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 people's own responsibility if they don't want to listen to you. If, if they don't like what you're saying, they can either be triggered and actually that can actually be a, uh, a catalyst for for really positive change you know I I really try and listen to be open to listening to people's opinions where I think I know I really don't agree and no like flow listen like just try and be humble for a bit and just see if there's something they can teach you because I think the world is a very divisive place right now people are going to extremes and you're either this or you're this um and life's more complex than that you know there's there's different shades of everything so um yeah, and it's it is terrifying because just on a primal kind of lizard brain level, you know, our our evolutionary psychology has not had time to catch up mm-hmm. with the speed at which our society and our culture has evolved. So we are large, we're living in a modern world and largely being governed by this kind of caveman brain that's saying, if you upset anyone you might be ostracized from the tribe and if you're ostracized from the tribe you're going to have to fend for yourself and you might be basically you peel back all these limiting beliefs and it the the main fear is i will die you know and so your nervous system is literally hovering like you're hovering your finger over pressing go live and your body really feels like if i press go live i might die like that's what your body is feeling but it's so um out of you know it's such a skewed perspective um so I think even just being aware of that and knowing, you know, that fear, like our brain's worst nightmare is us moving in a direction where it can't predict the outcome. Like it will always rather 
stay in what is familiar, even if you are not happy, even if you're not getting the results you want, that feels safer to your nervous system than stepping into the unknown, which is why we self-sabotage and make things overcomplicated for ourselves and don't dare show up in case, um, especially when you're putting yourself in that kind of alpha position, like mm. you know, even whether you're um, hosting a group program or a live challenge or a masterclass or even a live, for that moment, essentially, you're kind of putting yourself in an alpha position saying, I'm holding space. I, I, I'm, you know, the one who's taking up most of the focus here. And again, our lizard brain goes, <gasps> like, if we want to be an alpha, then we're really risking it because we've got to be a good one. Or we might, you know, so it's, it's so crazy when you start looking into the psychology of it, of how, you know, so much of our limiting beliefs and our limiting behaviors and our fear of showing up is based around that kind of really archaic psychology that's still still governing us and sometimes just the awareness of that can can help yeah and that, I think like those limiting beliefs did they show up for you when you changed career I mean I know you still do some acting but you know yeah. it must have been such a massive transition for you yeah I mean they still show up all the time I mean I, I think I think there is kind of this fallacy that right I'll get my mindset sorted and then when my mindset's sorted then I'll do this like when I'm no longer scared when I'm confident then I'll do this and that is a surefire way of staying stuck for a long long time because it's not that that you know unless you're Eckhart Tolle or the Buddha those thoughts aren't (laughs) going to go anywhere you know unless you achieve enlightenment like they're part of having a natural healthy human brain The issue is, is that success that is outside of the box that most entrepreneurs want to achieve isn't natural. It isn't normal. So there's nothing wrong with your mind when it's doing that. It's trying to keep you safe. It's just having those tools to take action despite those thoughts and and really create a little space between those thoughts and you. So you're not tied up in it. You can recognize them when they turn up and you can turn the mute on them and and take action anyway in line with your kind of higher self and higher vision rather than that fearful side of you that's trying to keep you safe um so yeah those thoughts all come up I mean one quote I love is from a coach called Rich Litvin and he says confidence is a result and not a requirement Mm -hmm. and I share that quote so often because it's so true like stop waiting till you feel confident you you know if you are wanting to grow in any direction that is going to require you doing things you haven't done before. Therefore they're out of sight of your comfort zone. So they will feel uncomfortable. And it's through doing that, that you create, it's kind of called the confidence competence cycle. Mm. You, you give your brain the evidence that no, I can do it. Even if like, you can't remember a word you said and your legs were jelly and it was like, Oh, I need a big glass of wine. You did it. And the more you go there, the more your comfort zone expands. And now it is in your comfort zone until you want to grow to the next stage so it really is that new level new devil and rather than waiting till you feel confident knowing that the only way to confidence is by taking action despite the fear yeah it's a work in progress it's a work in progress and it never ends I'm afraid no I was talking to one of my clients about this and she was saying you know I feel like I'm gonna have a we say you know vulnerability hangover and I was like I just want to let you know that after every week when we do the program my group program Project Warrior Boss at the end of every session I'm like was that good enough did I talk a load of shit did I talk too much did I give enough value and then the next day I just move on and you know and I carry on with everything even though 
in the beginning those vulnerability hangovers you can sort of feel a little bit crippled by them but yeah. I just now know it's oh that's what I get but yeah. that means I care you know like I yeah, don't want exactly. to be a load of shit <laughs> yeah exactly and you know one thing I say is like imposter syndrome isn't necessarily a bad thing like if you mm. didn't have any imposter syndrome I would worry that you were like yeah like in your comfort zone you weren't doing yeah. things that make you grow and there's evidence that you know you look at any of the really successful people in the world you know like there's Tim Ferriss and Oprah Winfrey and Maya Angelou and like all these different amazing people and one of the main things that is a common denominator amongst them all is they all have talked a lot about imposter syndrome and that is because they are people who keep taking action outside their comfort zone mm. and to everyone else they assume oh wow I wish I was that confident and it's not those people are confident they're doing it despite those thoughts despite the imposter syndrome and of course we feel we don't belong when we enter a ring that we haven't been in before um so our brain needs to build up that evidence so again like even just awareness of that and remembering as well that you know, people that are watching you live or, you know, they have their first session with you as a client or something. Um, they are any, any mistakes or fluffs or weird, silly things we say or something that didn't really work. Like they're not going to really log that. It's not of interest to them. Like they don't like that's not what they're looking for. They're stopping and watching your live because they are seeking like their brain is actively looking and seeking and waiting for that one gem that really makes a difference. So they're not going to remember all the stuff that we're going to obsess about afterwards. Yeah. They're literally just looking for the things that selfishly, because that's what they're there for. They they're like, oh, awesome. I got that piece. Um, so, you know, people are always searching for the gems and that's what they will remember and focus on. Yeah, I love that. The gems, because literally you can just say one sentence. You can transform yeah. everything, can't it? Yeah, so absolutely. Being a visibility coach, which mm -hmm. you were definitely 100% born today, what do you? What would be your biggest tips for people that are listening to this thinking, yeah, I probably hold myself back a bit. Mm -hmm. I don't show off. What would be your biggest tips to sort of for them to, to begin the journey? Maybe tips for yeah. <laughs> I think I mean there's a few different pieces I think one and I mean this is so broad to say this but to to realize that that inner work is not like a nice to have and fluff on the side like I think it's so normal at the beginning of your business to be like yeah yeah I just need the strategy just tell me how and I get that and if that was the full answer anyone who read any Russell Brunson book would be a millionaire and we know that's not the case right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. or anyone who invested that's in any good, program. That's such a good example to you it wasn't well it's like there's a ton of books out there you can buy for under ten dollars that will literally give you the steps to create that result and you know the reason why so few people do is is us like is mm. our is our wiring to keep us safe to keep us in the familiar so I think that first piece is whether it's with a mentor or on your own is just start to notice what are those thoughts that come in um you know like it, it, thought tracking even for a couple of days and just noticing what are those little because so often we we're so in it we're so kind of zombified to our thoughts mm. we don't even know we've they're there and we think we're them and we think they're us and that's not the case. So I think starting to notice, because it's often only like a few that are on repeat. What is that? Those few sentences that keep coming in and then being a little bit of a 
uh, a defense lawyer and asking yourself, well, is this actually entirely true? Almost, I mean, it never is entirely true, right? So I've got a really simple little exercise where you cross it through and you just write bullshit next to it in big letters. <laughs> it feels really good. And then you want to kind of be a defense lawyer and say, because your brain loves evidence and go, how, what proof do I have? Whether it's one little moment in my past or in my present, like what evidence can I write down as to, to back up why this isn't entirely true? Okay, well, actually I did this and actually this happened and actually someone gave me this testimonial um, and, and then decide what you want your new story to be. So that's like a very simple kind of example um, but really not like making the mindset work non-negotiable. And I mean, I've got two mentors at the moment, one in a mastermind and, and a one-on-one -on -one coach. They're both seven figures. And both of them say to me, like flow, like the mindset work and the inner work and the energetics work, like it, it has to be a non-negotiable. It is what makes the difference. And I think it takes a long time for people to really believe that. I mean, even I have 10% of my brain, like I teach this and I practice it, but 10% of my brain's still like, yeah, but really? <laughs> and then if I ever have like a week off or a couple of weeks off and then come back to it, I kid you not, the sales start ramping up again. Like it really does correlate. And so much of my brain can't make sense of it, but it is the case. So I think that's one piece. And, you know, there, there are definitely some little performance psychology hacks I can share in a moment, if that would be useful. Um, also, another piece when it comes to confidence with your visibility is, is being really clear on your message. And this doesn't mean like perfection and I need to be wedded to this and it can never change. Because I think a lot of people go, I won't show up till I know for sure I've got my message and what I stand for that will never, ever change. And, that will yeah. absolutely. and you've got to just know that it may well shift and turn as you grow and as you um, you know get that clarity through taking action, through coaching people. Um but really taking some time again to like not skip over who are you talking to and what do you really want to say and what makes you different and what do you not stand for as well as what you do like be willing to be divisive because when you're clear on what you stand for and what how you want your people to feel and why and what legacy you want to leave and all those pieces everything else becomes easier because then when you show up it's not all about you it's about the message and you get yeah. to the message gets to be bigger than anything you feel about yourself. You're just the messenger, right? The message really is the big piece that's anchoring you and that's that you and your ideal client are both connecting on in the middle. And then that kind of takes the this kind of spotlight off off that you feel off you. So I think that's another piece. Um, and then, I mean, there's so many things I could say, but in terms of kind of one thing that I often suggest, it's a nice little performance psychology hack is the realizing that the difference in your body between excitement and nerves is pretty much like negligible. I People know. say that fear is excitement, but without the breath. So, you know, not feeling or believing that you need to calm down and be calm before you step into the ring, before you show up on camera, um, so I used to do this in auditions. I used to really believe that I needed to be calm and zen and I try and chill myself out and I try and meditate and it wouldn't work. I'd still have the palpitations. I'd still have the dry mouth. And that would really sp spark off a spiral to make me even more anxious because I'd be thinking, oh no, I can't calm down and nerves are bad and it will make me mess up my audition. And I get myself into a state. And what I realized is that yeah, we don't want to live every day in our business from a place of stress and hustle. 
we want a bit of hustle in our back pocket if I'm honest when you need it um but yes of course like daily meditation how can you work from a calm space all of that is great but the reality is is that when you're about to step onto a TEDx stage or when you're about to do your very first live or something that scares you turn up for day one of your launch in your challenge group whatever that is it's really unrealistic that you're going to be zen and calm because you are putting yourself in a slightly fight or flight situation so instead of trying to chill out and if you can't chill out freaking out go basically you want to reframe it for your brain and help your brain believe that what you're feeling is excitement rather than fear so you want to basically give it a different story to attach so Mm. notice where you I'll I'll just I don't know I'm talking quite a lot but is it useful if I share this little exercise it's absolutely influence I forgot to say you I've got laryngitis coming so the more you talk the best great oh that'll work well for me then I can talk for England yes (laughs) go for it um If you, um, yeah, so if you, a great way to start with this as a little exercise is notice when you get nervous and when you get fearful, just see if you can note where it first starts in your body. And it's Mm. different for everyone. So for me, I get palpitations in my chest. For someone else, it might be a lump in their throat. It might be dry mouth. It might be butterflies in your stomach. It might be weak at the legs, at the knees. Um, So notice where it physiologically starts for you first. Once you know that, then you can catch it as soon as it starts. So as soon as like, you know, I know that for me, if I was to, okay, so like I used to be scared of flying and like I'm much better than I was now. If I was to get on a plane and I start feeling that, I would interrupt the pattern first. So I notice it and then I interrupt it. It might be imagining a big red stop sign. It might be me clapping my hands together. It might be me just saying stop in my head. So interrupt the pattern and then you want to replace what would have been your natural thought um, that would make sense of that feeling in your body. Oh, God, I'm so scared of flying. Or what if this? What if that? Um, You want to replace that with an anchor thought that is within the context of the situation you're going to. So it makes sense to your brain. So it might be, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited to step into the sea. I'm so excited to have that big glass of wine. I'm so excited to land and know we've got there safely. I'm so excited, whatever, right? Yeah. Um, Same as when you're about to do your masterclass. I'm so excited. Even if you can't find anything you're genuinely excited about, I'm so excited to have, like, to tell my partner that I've done it and it's finished. Like, find something that is within the context of the situation that that you are genuinely excited about. In fact, little extra thing, NLP thing, if you press your thumb and forefinger together when you're doing that, it kind of anchors it into your nervous system. Oh, really? Yeah. So, and then you can just start doing that eventually. And it kind of brings you, like your your body and your brain kind of link it together. Um, So the first time I did this, I got really exhausted. I'm not going to lie because I had an audition at about four in the afternoon. I woke up at 6 a.m. and all day I was feeling nervous. So all day I was like, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. This isn't sustainable. (laughs) This exercise sucks. Um, But when I got to that audition, stepped in front of them, I was genuinely so excited. Not a thing of fear. And it, the adrenaline was all still there, all the, the, the butterflies and the palpitations, but I, my brain had bought into it. And of course, once you've practiced it a couple of times, it becomes more of a state of being and a real habit that you, that you relate to adrenaline in that way. And you relate to fight or flight situations in that way where you're stepping into the unknown. And so your brain goes, oh, that's why her heart's pumping. That's why I'm out because she's excited. Awesome. I need not self-sabotage. Let's do this. And so you then 
that adrenaline really gives you the edge. So that's just one example of some little hacks where, you know, I don't believe we always need to do, you know, for some of us we do, but for a lot of us, we don't need to always know what happened in our childhood or why for everything, every piece of the puzzle so that we can solve it and move forward. Sometimes we can, we're able to bypass that to a certain extent and use these little tricks to take action anyway, because by taking that action, that blows apart that limiting belief because your brain doesn't have any evidence anymore. You've literally mm. just shown your brain evidence of something that that is the opposite of that belief. So your brain's like, like it can't compute and it can't really hold on to that belief anymore. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of people see mindset work and action as separate. And I would say action is a big part of mindset work, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah. And it's yeah. that kind of when you're up against it and you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed and then you're like, right, OK, I've got to do that. Like part of my stuff is I, I write a lot, like I mm-hmm. write, I write a lot, a lot, a lot. And um, or, you know, just simple meditations, walking and all yeah. that, as well as everything else to do with mindset, because people think it's yeah. just one size fits all. But sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah. I, I've, I need to go to my cupboard and pick a few ingredients for today's mindset, yes. you know. Um, an experiment like yeah, yeah I journaling yeah. is possibly my favorite mindset tool as well I've journaled since I was really young and yeah. I think it is so powerful but again try it and see what works for you and you know you don't need to become rigid about it you no it's what works for you that day yeah, yeah. I, I wrote I've kept a diary since I was eight really young and always oh, loved it it's 10 we're little oh. diary sisters yeah and I've still got my first one it's just yes. the cutest thing I've got yeah. more actually I've still got all of them um, <laughs> the one thing was when I then was I always used to to write when things were going as I got older I used to write all the time but then mm-hmm. as I got older and you know lived on my own and it would just all be about breakups or you know mm-hmm. boyfriends and friend or whatever was going on and then when I met my husband everything was like oh dreamy and we're in love now and there was just like yeah. a few pages like we're engaged now I'm pregnant <laughs> now like literally it was just like one page yeah. and then going back into it was such a a big thing and I remember sitting down and I I started doing um the morning pages from Julian Cameron mm. Julia Cameron's book so yeah. I was writing it and I was like oh this I think I'm just gonna write a load of shit um I'm supposed to write for three sides it's probably I've no idea what I'm gonna write about and I'm literally writing yeah. that yeah <laughs> but <laughs> now it's like this morning I got up wrote and then I, I thought oh, I've, I've been working on this new course that I want to develop but I can't if I talk about it with anybody, I can get my words and I can sort of sort of get it in my head of what I want to do. Because mm-hmm. sometimes when you're doing this sort of work, you've got this idea and you know you want to help people in which way, but how yeah. do you fashion that tool into something that people are going to understand and get value from as well as yeah. sell, be able to sell it? Yeah. But the only way that I can do that is writing. That yeah. like to do it in a really um articulate way for me to then absorb back in and go, all right. I know what I'm doing. Do you know what I mean? It's so powerful. And I would literally say to anyone listening to your podcast, if you really feel you need mentorship or coaching right now, and you really feel that you just cannot afford it, start journaling because it is the best free coaching you will ever give yourself. Like it's, I so relate to that. Like so often I'll start journaling and, you know, if I'm able to journal long enough, the kids don't wake up and I tap into that flow state usually it will start with me complaining or just yeah. catching up with like the minute of like life and if I can carry on long enough again this sounds a little bit woo perhaps to some but 
I really feel like it's like my higher self takes over the pen. Yes. And, I, and it starts coming up with this amazing shit. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> like, yes. this is exactly what I need to hear. And I think one of the things is that it's slow. We live in such a distracted world that usually we'll start a thought and then we get distracted by that thought and then that thought. But with journaling, especially when you're handwriting, your thoughts have to slow down to the speed of your handwriting. So every thought gets to a resolution. You get to look mm. at, you know, that hand eye coordination thing and, and, you know, we really are our best guides a lot of the time. Yeah, we know that's the answer and it taps you into absolutely. that. And I think it reaffirms that fact that we are, you do have everything inside of you that you need to go forward. But it's yeah. just understanding what that is and giving yourself opportunity to listen. I yeah. totally resonate with that. Some, you know, you're talking a load of shit, so I'll catch up with myself and then it's yeah. complaining exactly the same. And yeah. this is why the three A4 pages is so good for me from what yeah. from Julia Cameron's book, because whenever I'm like, I really can't be bothered to write, I'll get to the end of the second page. And sometimes I'm like, I, I wish I could stop here, but I know that the thing that I need is coming on the third page. <laughs> I write the third page and I'm like, bang, right? You know, um, that's why it's three pages long. Exactly. And that's a great, um, like, mess- the fact that your higher self is taking over. I totally resonate with that. Yeah. So Absolutely. <laughs> you just get into that flow and you're like, I don't want to interrupt this. So I'll just keep the pen going. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And that can be a great thing, you know, when you're nervous about showing up as well is something called scripting where, you know, you it's almost like you can do this, whether you're just visualizing or you're journaling, but kind of write out or visualize what you're about to do in absolute detail in exactly the way you really want it to go and, and let your body experience it. Because so often, again, because of our primal mind trying to keep us safe, we're living in the worst case scenario, what if land, like, you know, if, if ever you're in your business and you're worried about where are the clients coming from, sales have dried up, you know, ground yourself with the facts. Am I okay today? Like, do I have a roof over my head today? And like, what is the, what are the facts this moment? Usually you're fine. And actually what your body is experiencing is what if no clients come in by the end of the month? Like that's a fantasy. It's not even a real thing. It's just a thought. And our body goes, oh my God, because our body and our subconscious is so intertwined and it can't tell the difference between what's real and what's imagined. So the more you can allow your body to feel the emotion of what you want, then again, that really helps open the doors to your mind, your subconscious, letting you step forward and step into that spotlight, whether you're, you know, and it might sound rude to some, but, you know, tennis players, top football players, they've been doing it with their coaches for decades, really yeah. visualizing the game in every single detail because the science is there that it really makes a massive difference. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I totally agree. Oh, that you just like literally, there was so much value just then in the last. <laughs> I, oh, my God. So I'm going to listen to this back a lot. Um, <laughs> I know. I just can't believe this is my life talking to great people about <laughs> stuff that I love. You know what I mean? My face, the whole day, oh. my face is really hurting. Oh, <laughs> Whenever oh, anyone so says much. that, it reminds me of like a quote from friends and Monica's like, I feel like I've got a coat hanger in my mouth. And I'm like, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. But how cool, like you've created that. Yeah. Oh, thank yeah. you. I'm I'm learning to receive compliments now as well. Thank okay. you very much for that. <laughs> so what would you if you no, oh, I always mess up on this. I would be a rubbish <laughs> actor. I stumble my line. Um, if you could tell yourself something 10 years ago that you know now, what would that be? 
it would definitely be that done is better than perfect. And I know that quote is over said, but honestly, if there's one thing that I could truly tell myself back then is just let yourself not be your absolute best straight away. I, I, I had such high standards for myself and I was so scared of not like reaching those standards immediately. And what would that mean about me? I mean, Growth Mindset is a great book to read if you're interested in that. Um, oh, I can't remember her name, but um, yeah. So just, just go for it. Just take that messy action, be imperfect, write that crappy first draft, you know, t- tell that joke on stage, even if it might flop, like just go for it. Cause the only way is through. Um, so yeah, I, I know it's like cliche, but I really do feel that, that for me and for so many people I see, you know, so many clients that I coach, you know, depending on, well, anywhere in their business, to be honest, I see people waiting, like waiting until, and you're just going to wait your life away. Start, like success is not con- convenient success. There's no perfect time. Just start now in messy imperfection. And that's how you grow each step of the way. Oh, amazing, Florence. It's so good. It's so true. I say done is better than perfect, like all the freaking time. It's, it's so just true, like, isn't it? Look at it out there. Just done is better than perfect. Get it out. Just <laughs> move on. Yes, absolutely. Amazing. Where can people find you, Florence? Yeah, so, I mean, I'll share my website, but it really needs an update. I'm just going to say it now. (laughs) You can find me at florenceandrewscoaching.com, where I would love you to come and connect with me is Instagram. So I am Florence underscore underscore Andrews underscore coaching on Instagram. And if you click the link in my bio, I've got some lovely freebies in there and you can see other ways to connect with me and what I'm up to in there as well. Because you've got a day coming up, haven't you? A a mastermind day. Yeah, but it's very, very soon. So I don't know when your podcast goes out, but um, on the 20th of May. So this Saturday, we've got a gorgeous day in Brighton, in-person day. I've also got a three-day retreat in Formentera, Ibiza coming up in September um and a little juicy challenge that I'm percolating for people in June online as well so there's lots of things coming up but if you come over to my Instagram then you will I'll be shouting and spammy pamming it all around the place (laughs) (laughs) spammy pammy so you will be sure to see everything I'm up to there and I would love to come say hi get in the DMs I'd love to connect and get to know your audience better because I'm sure they are all gorgeous oh thank you Florence it's right time for our fake goodbye oh (laughs) you said that (laughs) no but I forget because I forgot to say it before we started recording and when I forget the people who listen all the time know then you go they just go they just leave zoom yeah I'm like I hate that (laughs) I like I like to say goodbye properly but um, yeah yeah, thank you so much Florence for being on I really appreciate it oh thank you so much it was an absolute pleasure and uh, yeah loved it loved it thank you Thank you so much for listening to the No Rest for the Vivid podcast, written, produced and hosted by Claire Hill. And music has been composed by my brother, Phil.